morning again. Oh boy, it's going to be one of those Sundays, huh? <laughs> that song was uh, written by Keith Green's wife. That's an old Keith Green song, if you remember him. Very beautiful song. In our text last week, the first part of John chapter 10, Jesus called himself the door of the sheep. He's how the sheep stay protected. Whether they go in or out, they will always be safe. They will always have pasture. The sheep are secure forever because Jesus is the door. And then Jesus revealed that He is the door of the sheep so that the sheep will have abundant life. And abundant life is the life that all of the sheep have because Jesus Christ has made them right with God. They no longer have anything to fear. They can no longer be condemned or separated from God. And this is a reality that God gives to them from heaven. The abundant life has nothing to do with how much money or how much status someone has, but everything to do with the fact that with or without those things, we have peace with God as we believe in His Son. Today, Jesus is going to press this point a little further. God knows that His people are sheep, and God doesn't hold this against us. We try to cover up the fact that we're sheep. We try to take control of our own lives and prove ourselves, but the fact remains that we are sheep, and sheep need a shepherd. So Jesus is going to press this idea of the safety of His sheep by not only declaring that He is how they will always be safe, but also today that He loves them. Not only is Jesus not a thief and a robber with bad intentions for the sheep, Jesus is also not some hired hand who does his job of keeping but cares nothing for the sheep. The eternal security of believers is grounded in the power of Jesus to protect and save, but also in the depth of his perfect, saving love for them. If you're able, would you stand with me as we read a small section from Our text in John 10 this morning, continuing through there, I'll begin at verse 14. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray this morning that the word of your Son, Jesus Christ, would assure all those who believe beyond the shadow of any doubt that they are loved and kept by you. Father, I pray that the weak and the strong would hear the voice of the shepherd this morning. I pray, Father, that the lost also would hear his voice and that all would come to you. Father, please help me preach this text clearly. Please help everyone listen. Please hold my heart steady 
where I look to you. What else can I do? I ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to back up actually and read verse 11 through verse 14. To put this all picking right up from the end of last week. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Jesus Christ is no mere laborer of sheep. He's not simply in the sheep business. Jesus Christ owns the sheep. This is not given here as a threat. It's not heavy-handed. It's not given as a warning. Jesus is not threatening us here not to act up because we're sheep. You better not wander now. That's not the point of this text. He knows we're sheep. God decided to come and save sheep, not lions. Sheep. He's not ashamed to be our shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. It would do us good, I think, sometimes to read the Bible a little more carefully, probably a little more slowly. Why does Jesus have to say that? Why does the good shepherd have to lay down his life for the sheep? Because the sheep get Jesus killed. That's what we do. We got Jesus killed. The hired hand isn't going to die for the sheep. A hired hand won't do that. The shepherd's life is in danger because of the sheep. Right? Sheep are sheep. And while it's probably not technically correct that sheep are dumb animals, they most certainly are dependent animals. They live naturally in environments where they're in constant danger. They live in the same places where packs of wolves are nearby. People will try to steal them for Profit. They can get caught in crags and on cliffs. So if you're going to become a shepherd of sheep, you are willing to take on a certain amount of danger. It's just part of the job. And Jesus is saying, that's what I signed up for, to take care of sheep. I know them. I will protect them. I will save them. If a wolf attacks the shepherd or attacks the sheep, the shepherd will get in between them and try to protect the sheep. That's what shepherds do. They protect their flocks. They don't just run and hide when they see a pack of wolves and whatever happens to the sheep happens. That's what hired hands do. And we know who they are. Jesus is not being difficult. He is inviting confrontation here. The Pharisees are like hired hands when it comes to the people, the sheep. So he's comparing or contrasting himself, really, with them. You follow these men because you think their way will bring you life. And Jesus is saying, you don't want to follow them. They aren't saviors. They aren't shepherds. When danger comes, they're going to run. They don't have a vested interest. They don't know you. They don't know your names. They don't care about you. They don't love you. You are a project to them of moral improvement for their own well-being, don't trust them, don't follow after them. I'm the good shepherd. And only Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is God's man for the church. And only Jesus Christ. Everyone else is going to run eventually. Everyone else is either going to run 
or fail or falter when it comes to caring for the sheep. Even if they're not hired hands and their intentions are good, there's only one shepherd of the sheep. Only one. When we compare the love of Jesus for us to the love of anyone else for us, it is as far apart as the shepherd is from the hired hand. Beloved, the sheep are only as safe as their shepherd. And Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. Verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The fact that we are sheep requires the death of the shepherd. Jesus has said that twice in five verses. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. He dies for them, we find, because he knows them. You see that? He won't let them die. He will die for them. Beloved, Jesus Christ took names to the cross. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd, believer. Jesus took your name to the cross. This text is talking about the church here. This text is talking about us. When Jesus walked the earth, he was gathering his sheep out of the nation of Israel. And he says here, I have more sheep. I have other ones. They're not of this fold, but I will gather them too. I know their names too. I care for them too. I'll die for them too. So one day there will finally be one flock, one shepherd, all under my care. I will shepherd them. Beloved, you and I live in that day. Jesus is gathering his sheep from all over the world. You and I were not of the fold of Israel, unless there happens to be people here or someone here of Hebrew descent. But the Lamb was slain to purchase people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and make them together. Revelation 5, 9, into a kingdom of priests to our God. The goal of the shepherd for the sheep is that eventually they would no longer be scattered, but they would be gathered into one fold. Not divided, not distinct, but one. And they will listen to his voice when he calls them. That's not a hope. It's not a guess. This is a statement of what Jesus is going to accomplish as a result of his dying for and caring for the sheep. It's not something he would merely like to do. When it comes to God's sovereign will, he doesn't speak with ambiguity. They will listen because they are his sheep. When the shepherd calls one of his sheep, they follow. There was a time for me, example, for example, when this book made no sense at all. And I didn't care that it didn't make any sense. It was one of the furthest things from my mind. There was a time when I lived exclusively for what I wanted and I didn't question and I didn't care at all that I might be against God. How in the world did I become a preacher? How in the world did I become someone who loves this book and wants to understand it and wants to know the God who wrote it? The voice of the shepherd happened. That's what happened. Jesus Christ is going to win. He will have everything he bought. He will gather into one all of his sheep, and none of them will be missing. Thus saith the Lord, not me. Look at 17 and 18. 
For this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus just, you're watching here, He just lays out His entire plan. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. The Father has given me permission to die for the sheep, so I'm going to go die for the sheep. And after that, I'm going to rise from the dead. That's what's going to happen. No, how many of you happen to remember the movie Billy Jack? Anybody at all? Few people in the balcony, one or two. Okay, I need to watch more popular movies. But if you remember the movie Billy Jack, retired Green Beret, played by Tom Laughlin, protecting Native Americans in New Mexico, and Sheriff Berner Posner and all his lackeys surround Billy Jack in the town square. It looks like he's done. He's doomed, he's way outnumbered, and Bernard and Billy Jack face each other, and Billy Jack says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Bernard. He says, I'm going to take this foot, and I'm going to whop you on that side of your face, and there's not a thing you can do about it. This is in the movie. And Bernard says, is that right? And Billy Jack says, oh yeah, that's right. And so help me, Billy Jack takes that foot and whops Bernard Posner on that side of his face, he goes down like a sack of taters. All the other guys, they come in. He whips all of them to confidence. Billy Jack had confidence, knowing the outcome, not afraid of anything. And while I'm not entirely comfortable with comparing Jesus Christ to Billy Jack, you, you get the point, right? There's a certain way you talk when you know what is going to happen. There's a certain way that you talk when you are going to do exactly what you want to do and nobody can stop you. So, fellow sheep, you believing here this morning, those that want to believe, that want to come, listen to the voice of your shepherd this morning. Listen to the things that Jesus is saying about your eternity, about your destiny. He is not afraid... He is not confused, he is confident, and he is in complete charge of our salvation. Jesus knows exactly what he's going to do. But I want us to look at something a little more closely here to secure this in our hearts even more deeply. Look at verse 17 again. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. There's a why... as to why the Father loves the God-man, Jesus Christ. There's a reason. We like to say, I say it too, it's not a put-down, we like to say that God's love is unconditional. And I, I, I know what we mean when we say that. We, we, the love of God is perfect, which to us means, in our minds, the only way we can grasp love being perfect is if we say it's unconditional. It's not conditioned on anything. So for love to be perfect, it has to be unconditional. And again, I think I understand what we mean when we say that. And in a sense, to us, it's true. We'll get there in a second. But, beloved, look at the text. God's love is conditional. Let's make no mistake. God's love is conditional. And do you know what it is conditioned upon? The work of the Son. 
Now, from our perspective, God's love seems as it's, though it's just unconditional because to us it is. But only because Jesus Christ met all the conditions. Mankind had responsibilities. We had responsibilities if we wanted God to be our God and we wanted to be His people. We had conditions to meet. For starters, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Don't even worry about the second one. Just keep the first one. Right? Just keep the first one. None of us do that. None of us do that. But those are the conditions. Keep that, then I'll be your God, then you'll be my people. Nobody has ever kept that perfectly, which is exactly what God requires. God doesn't grade on a curve. You either keep all of the conditions perfectly, or you are rejected. That's, those are the stakes. Those are the terms. So how in the world is God anyone's God and how on earth is anyone his child, much less those he would think of as his sheep? Why? How? For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep. The Father loves Jesus because Jesus Christ did exactly what the Father told him to do. When Jesus wants to prove to his sheep that they are safe, how does he speak of the Father's love? He speaks of it for him. Why does the Father love the Son? Because the Son obeyed the Father. Because the Son did what the sheep cannot do. This is how Jesus is our Savior. It's not assistance. It's not a little buffing of the edges. It is substitution. It is Him for me as my sacrifice, as my righteousness, as my obedience. It's Jesus for me. The love of the Father for the Son because the Son obeyed Him is transferred to the sheep as though you and I had perfectly obeyed the Father. The perfect obedience of Jesus is transferred as credit to our account and thereby and only thereby are we justified. Are we accepted? Beloved, we need to understand that for the sake of our worship, so that we worship properly, and for the sake of our reality, that we are not immediate with God. We're not immediate with the Father. We have a mediator. There's someone in between us and the Father. I was telling the um, Wednesday night group a few weeks back about my friend Darby talking about one time when he was in the army and the general happened to visit their base or whatever. And he was a private at the time. And the general actually approached some of them, some of the the guys there, the soldiers, and started talking to them. Hey, where are you guys from? And they just started to talk, have a normal conversation like they were back on the block. And it went on for a couple minutes, very pleasant. Just friends, yucking it up, privates with the general and Then Darby said the general walked away and walked right over to the sergeant and just destroyed him, ripped him up one side and down the other. And they all heard it. They were all watching. The general was screaming in the face of the sergeant, this is what you're getting ready for me? 
wrinkled uniforms who think they can talk to me like I'm one of their buddies. And he, man, he dressed, Darby said he just dressed him down. And he said, he said, I was standing there thinking, man, I'm glad I'm not the sergeant right now. When it was his fault, it was their fault that the sergeant was getting screamed at and yelled at. And he said eventually that made its way back to them through the sergeant. But he said the general screamed at the sergeant. He didn't scream at them. The sergeant bore the brunt of the correction, of the deficiency of the soldiers. You understand this is what Jesus did for you and I. Jesus Christ bore the brunt of the Father's wrath on behalf of the sheep. He dressed Him down, not you and I. All of it. All the Father's wrath. Every ounce of it towards you and me. Poured out on the Son. I don't get screamed at by the general. I get saved by the Son. And because of that, because of the Son's perfect substitution in my place, when the Father looks at me, He smiles at me. Beloved, you who are believing, you who will believe, you have no debt. It's been paid. It's been paid by the Son. He doesn't hold us responsible for our sins. We're sheep. What can we possibly do? Do you understand this truth, beloved? God doesn't fault us for being sheep. But sheep do need shepherds. They are completely dependent. You and I are filled with sin and iniquity. We can't keep our uniforms ironed. Ethiopians don't change their skin. Leopards don't change their spots. So who is going to die for them? How are they going to be saved? Who's going to make sure everything goes right for them? That they make it all the way home? Who's going to do that? Who's going to make sure they're led to green pastures and besides still waters? Who's going to set up a table for them in the presence of their enemies? Who's going to make sure that goodness and mercy follow them all the days of their lives right into the house of the Lord so that they dwell there forever? Who's going to do that? Not them. Not the sheep. Sheep don't do shepherd things. Shepherds do shepherd things. My son, I give you the authority to be the shepherd of the sheep. I give you the authority to go lay down your life for them and gather them into one flock and keep them and care for them forever. And Jesus does it because Jesus is the shepherd. He does all of it. See, the cross is God's statement of what He actually thinks about our sin. That's how awful it is. Desperate times call for desperate measures, right? Well, how desperate must our condition have been that Jesus Christ had to come to earth and die and suffer the wrath of God for us? I mean, how bad must we be that that's the only thing that could fix it? Right? That's, that's the only thing that worked, this thing right here. That's it. That's the only, only solution for our sin problem. The cross is what we got, Jesus. But, look at this text. Don't think for one second, struggling saint, that he resents you because he had to die for you. 
He knew your name. That's why he stayed up there until he died. That's the truth. He's our shepherd. He knows our name. He knew exactly what he was doing. Just like he knew exactly what he was dying for when he died for you and me. He died for every single one of your sins, believer, on purpose. He knew exactly what he was dying for. And he didn't come down. He didn't come down. When God's answer in the garden to Jesus' question was, or the question, is there another way we can do this? If, if, if it's possible, can you let this cup pass for me? I don't want to drink it right now. When the answer was no, Jesus got up, dusted himself off, if he had time, wiped the bloody sweat off of his forehead, and he went to the cross. That's what he did for sinners. That's what he did for his sheep. Because the sheep can't do that. Sheep can't do that. They're sheep. Verse 19 then reads almost like verse 6. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus Christ divided when he spoke. And he didn't change what he said because it divided people. He's the truth. He divides. Just like he's doing right now. I guarantee it this morning. They're debating about who he is or who he thinks he is. Verse 22, at that time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So the Jews, which is John's term usually in the Gospel of John for the Pharisees, the religious leadership in Israel, they're coming to Jesus and saying, all right, enough with the word games. Just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? Say that sentence. I am the Messiah. Are you the one who was promised to come and save Israel? And he says, I have been telling you very plainly, and you don't listen. It's not just saying the sentence that is my proclamation that I am the Messiah. But doing all kinds of things to prove that I'm the Messiah. I say I am and you deny it. I try to tell you and you try to kill me. Then Jesus says, and here's why. You see that? Here's why you do that. You don't believe me because you are not among my sheep. Meaning, they can't hear his voice. That's why they don't believe. They are opposed to Jesus because they don't belong to Jesus. They're not one of the sheep. Because what do sheep do? When they finally hear the voice of the shepherd in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Remember verse 16 now in light of verse 27. The wills and the shalls. Jesus is not a liar. Jesus is not a guesser. He's not wrong about what's going to happen. Eventually, beloved, all the sheep will come to Jesus when they hear his voice. It's right here. No word games to play. It's right here. Listen to 27 through 30 now. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus speaks very plainly. Speaks so plainly, in fact, that we're not going to get into it too much, but they're going to pick up stones to kill him in verse 31. That's how plainly Jesus spoke. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. They don't want, they didn't want Jesus to speak plainly about himself so that they would know whether or not he was the Messiah. No, they wanted him to speak plainly so that they had a legitimate excuse to kill him. So enough, don't do the miracles, don't do the signs, just say that, don't make it confusing, don't make it so that in court someone's able to say, well, he technically didn't say that he's the Messiah. I mean, he did, you know, feed over 5,000 people, but that doesn't mean anything, right? They don't want the ambiguity. Just say it. Say the sentence outright. That way we can kill you. What Jesus says here, only God can do the things Jesus is saying he can do here. They knew that. They knew Jesus was declaring himself to be God when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Self-righteous people always want to try to kill Jesus. Or at least shut him up. Because if you keep letting Jesus speak, it's going to become clear that even the people acting like they're righteous aren't righteous at all. So you gotta shut Jesus up, even in the church. Right? You gotta shut him up because we don't want, we, we want to keep our pretense, right? We're better than others. No! We're sheep! Beloved, the shepherd had to get nailed to a tree and bleed naked in front of everybody, spit on, whipped raw for the sheep. So, there's no pretense here. There's no self-right. It has no place. It is an antichrist. It is an affront to the cross of Jesus Christ to act like we don't need it. The point of this text is the love and care and nurture and power of the shepherd to keep his sheep. That's what this text is about. A shepherd with his sheep. When God wants to form in our minds a theology of salvation, he does it with the language of sheep and shepherd. He shepherds you and I. It's the main point of the text, that the sheep have a shepherd. Do you know why our trials and our circumstances and our sins and our self-righteousness and our pretense and all the... Do you know why those things won't determine our final verdict? Because Jesus is our shepherd. That's why. Right? And he gives the sheep eternal life. How do you get eternal life and lose it? If it wasn't eternal, he would call it something else. If it was losable, it would have a different label. If the sheep could perish, what would it ultimately be a testimony about? the lack of quality of their shepherd. So it's very good news that God loves the glory of His own name. Because that's the foundation of why He won't lose anybody He sets out to save. No one will snatch us out of His hand. The Father is the one who gave the sheep to Jesus. We didn't even put ourselves into His hand. Why do we think we can just take ourselves out? 
He's more powerful than anyone. No one can snatch us from His hand. No one. And God the Father and God the Son are one. So when we ask the question, can I lose my salvation? Well, let's think it through according to the terms of the Bible. Right now, believer, your life is hidden in the hand of Jesus. And that's, it's closed around you. The hand of Jesus. Walk on water. Feed 5,000. Heal the blind. Heal the lame. Rise from the dead. The, 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 the hand of this guy has authority to lay down his own life and to take it up again. That hand, you're in it. Squeezed tight. And around that hand is the hand of God the Father the maker and creator and sustainer of all things through His Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Immutable, omnipotent, omniscient, perfect, sovereign, majestic, omnipotent, holy. That hand is wrapped around the hand of Jesus. And your name, little sheep, is in there. So if you can pry those hands open, you can lose your salvation. But what does the Bible say? No one, no one, not even me, can snatch me out of the Father's hand. It is maybe the most precious truth in the universe. That's where my hope comes from. That's the only hope I have of eternal life. The hands that are holding me, not my grip, His Stop trying to be a Christian and just realize, believer, that that's what you are. Stop trying to be a sheep. Just be sheep. Breathe. Breathe. Believer, you're safe. You're a sheep, but you have a shepherd. You're loved this morning. Breathe it in. Cry out to Jesus if you're here this morning as an unbeliever. Right? Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. He's here. He's here. He'll come to you even if you're out on the cliffs. Right? Cry out to the shepherd. It's what he does. Believer, you will always have permission to feel right with God because Jesus is your mediator and Jesus is right with God. We don't have the authority to unsave ourselves. Saving is shepherd's work. We don't have the authority to undo what God has done, to pry open those hands. We don't have the authority to turn ourselves from sheep to goats. That's not granted to us, believer. No one can snatch me from his hands. Again, that means me. That means you. It is prideful for us to deny ourselves a right relationship with God. It's pride. It looks like humility, that I'm too sinful. When you say that, you are calling God a liar and a bad shepherd. You can't save me. Who do we think we're talking to? He can't? He can't find you? He can't cover what you've done. 
The blood's not good enough. The hands aren't strong enough to hold on to you. Oh, yes, they are. Praise God, yes, they are. I know you said Jesus is my shepherd, but I just don't feel much like a sheep anymore, so I'm just going to quit. I can't do this. No, 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 you don't have the authority to make that call. You don't talk to Jesus like that. What's left for you and I is to know the love of the shepherd. That's, that, that's where life is. Do you believe that on a daily basis? Is that what, is that what keeps your mind steady? What actually keeps us from living the, the, uh, this abundant life, the, the eternal life that Jesus keeps talking about, the life that never ends because we've been made right with God, what keeps us from actually living that life? Fear. Fear keeps us from living that life. Fear that that love doesn't apply to my situation. Fear that that love will not go as far as I have gone. It's fear. Fear is equal to unbelief. Fear that will blow it. Fear that the word will not be true for me. Is there a cure? Is there a balm in Gilead for this fear? Is there anything that casts out the fear that keeps us from really believing the gospel. Perfect love. The love of a shepherd for the sheep casts out fear. 1 John 4, 18. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 3 that he's praying for us to know how much God loves us. How high and how deep and how wide His love is for us. Because if we can know that, fear will begin to lose its power. Beloved, your shepherd is not afraid for you this morning. He's got you in his hand. Nothing's going to happen to you. Right? He's got you. And anyone who desires to come to him this morning may absolutely come to him this morning and receive everything Jesus has promised to his sheep without exception or withholding. Jesus is the good shepherd. Knowing, I know them, knowing in the Bible, no, there's a, there's a biblical theology of the word know in the Bible. When we see it, we need to see it in a certain way. Knowing in the Bible is not simply aware of information. Knowing is a word that describes intimacy. What it means to be loved by God. That is to be known by Him. Well, Jesus dies for the sheep because He loves them intimately. Completely. You see, Jesus knows Jesus knows what you're really made of. He knows what's really in there. And He loves you. Are you that's what makes His love, if we're going to get technical maybe, so perfect, is that it knows everything and still loves. It knows I won't meet the conditions 
It didn't, he didn't love me because of, of what I would one day become. While we were, that's how he demonstrated his love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for me. Jesus didn't die for the cleaned up version of me that I'm not so ashamed of now that I can claim, yes, he loves me. He loves the one I don't want anybody to see. That's who he died for. That thing. That thing. You see, this is the gospel. This is what we have for Moundsville. This is what we have for each other. This message. He really knows us and He loves us. How many of us could say, if you really knew me, you I don't think you would think that highly of me. <laughs> and it would probably be true, but not when it comes to Jesus. No, I, I know exactly who you are. You can't keep a perfect record of your wrongs. I had one. It was nailed to the cross with me. So live. Live. Jesus is our only hope of salvation and He is more than enough to save us. Beloved, all the sheep are safe forever in the arms of Jesus. Every single one of them. When Jesus said He won't lose any of them, He was thinking of you. The world will shift and sway. The deck will rock back and forth. People will change. Or people won't change. People will come and go. Governments will change. Culture will change. Laws will change. The rug will be pulled out from under us. And all the while, your shepherd will tighten his grip around you. Thus saith the Lord. No one will snatch you out of his hand. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come to Jesus Christ and rest. Come to Jesus Christ this morning. The front will be open. I'm going to pray. If you would like to come and pray, if you would like to come and cry out to Jesus, if you've been crying out to Jesus during the sermon and want to share it with me and pray, then we'll do it. If you want to join our church, we invite you to come. We're going to sing. Jesus receives sinners, sheep. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Father, for the truth of it, the perfection of it, the unchanging nature of it, the perfection of it, the comfort of it. Because it's all a person, your son, this shepherd for us. I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning, Lord, that they would know that no one can snatch them out of your hand. I pray for those wondering if they can come to Jesus this morning to know that no one will be able to snatch them out of your hand. I pray and ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
you so much for coming this morning, everybody. Reminder that we have our gathering tonight at 6.30. Also remember, next Sunday we'll be taking a love offering for Reverend Price. So let me pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given to us today. Thank you for everyone that's come. I thank you, Lord, for their families. I pray, Father, that you would watch over them. You would keep them in your grace and peace. Father, keep them believing or cause them to believe, I pray. Lord, watch over our town. Watch over us. Lord, we look to you and we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.